Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Kavij Screening Room. I'm your host Kavij Linus and this is a podcast centered around cinema, the industry, and the future. Today, interesting day, we're here to talk about satire films, which is something that I was not expecting when I was coming up with the season outline, but we have a good episode in store for you. Later in the episode, I'm joined by Julian Trejo Box making his podcast debut on any podcast, which is very exciting and he does a great job. But before that, I want to talk a little bit about the movie that inspired this episode, which is Ruben Oslin's Triangle of Sadness, this year's Palme d'Or winner, that is releasing, I believe, around the country over the following weeks, but is already out for those of you in New York, LA, and San Francisco. Basically, Triangle of Sadness is about, to say the least and not spoil too much, two models who are in a relationship together and go on a luxury cruise that... They mention in the movie a $250 million boat. So you can just imagine the the vibes of what this cruise is like. And things go wrong. A, lo- a lot of things go wrong. And it is a satire on consumption culture, influencer culture, um, class divides. It's, I don't, I, it's really hard to even describe without spoiling too much because there is something in... The second act of this movie, which is divided into three parts, that completely changes the movie. And it's like the only thing I can now think of when I think about this movie. That being said, the film is divided into three parts. I would say the first part I found the most successful, even though it's much shorter than the other two parts. The third part I thought was interesting, but the second part to me was so toiling that I was just completely out of it. And it really just... I wouldn't say ruin the movie for me because I don't think it's a terrible movie. I don't think it's a great movie either. But the second act I just found really hard to watch, which is the point, but also is so in your face that it can become a little tiring to watch unfold for how long this act is. I am going to be honest. I'm not the biggest Oslin fan. I did not like Force Majeure and I did not like The Square at all. And I really don't think The Square should have won the Palm Door as I equally feel that this shouldn't have won the Palm Door. Regardless, I think the direction of the film is interesting. Oslin, especially because it's on a boat and there's one sequence where the boat is in a storm and it's shaking a lot. The way that he moves the camera from side to side and convokes this idea of being with the characters as they go through what's probably, I would say the hellish night of their lives, but it seems like what happens after is equally as hellish. That being said, I think the screenwriting is where the film falls a little short for me. I think that Austin's screenwriting is very, very on the nose, which is a style that I respect a lot more than I find myself enjoying. I think at some points in this movie, and it's really hard to shake this feeling once you get there. And for me, it happened right in the middle of act two is that once you really understand how in your face it is, it kind of seems like the script cares a little bit more about doing crazy things to make you feel alarmed or shocked that the ideas are kind of secondary to that and don't really get as much space to truly thrive. And for a film that is trying to say so much about the world that we live in, I just felt like the shock factor was the most important thing in mind. And it kind of reduced the other themes, regardless of how important they are and how evident they are in a film like this. And that just goes to show the risks that this film takes. I will say I really did enjoy the performances. I have not really seen anything that has turned me into a Harris Dickinson fan yet, which is funny because he's kind of been in a lot of movies this year. He was in Where the Crawdads Sing and See How They Run, both of which I was not the biggest fan of. Where the Crawdads Sing, I was just like, we need to stop making really bad movies two hours and five minutes. Like, that's way too much time to be stuck in a theater waiting for a movie to end. So if you're making a bad movie, please make it 90 minutes. Um, All jokes on that front, but no, that movie was really long and hard to get through. I thought he was great here. I thought that he plays the, I don't want to typecast Channing Tatum, but the Channing Tatum style himbo very, very well. And it's completely necessary for a movie like this. Uh, he's matched, I think, by Charlie Dean, who's incredible in this movie and who recently passed, which is just so saddening. And I think her performance here is amazing. And they match each other so, so well to really sell a lot of this movie, even in parts where I was just completely out of it. They were the two people that kind of wrote me back in. Woody Harrelson is also in this, playing a very fascinating role that 
I think I might appreciate more in the future than I did being in the theater and just wanting to leave because it's not, it's not a long performance. He's only there for a little bit, but his character makes somewhat of an impact and it's kind of a different role for him to play yet. So similar in so many different aspects. I do, as I say for pretty much every movie, if not every movie, I feel like this is a movie to be seen on a big screen. It's a movie. I wish I had seen with a crowd because my theater, I think, was eight people. It was also in the morning. So, And as I've had morning film experiences lately, they haven't been the best. So I'm probably... I I would say grateful that this wasn't a loud crowd because the loud crowds of morning screenings I've had lately have been very, very disruptive. So this is kind of a movie that you need to ha- build off what the people around you are doing. And it's a movie that poses and will gain a lot of visceral reactions to say the least. I would say for this and Bones and All are the two movies that I imagine. Well, Bones and All I know because the crowd was like losing it, which is the new Luca Guadagnino movie that is coming out, I believe on Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving week. But this is another movie that I think I would have just loved to see with a crowd. That's pretty much it for Triangle of Sadness. There's not that much more I want to say about it. So let's jump over to my conversation with Julian about satire films. All right, so as promised, I have returned and I'm joined by a newcomer to the podcast after, and I always say this and then it just looks worse for me because it took me very long to get newcomers on this podcast, but Julian Trejo Box is here. What is up? Hello, hello. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? Doing good. Uh, happy to finally be on this podcast. I mean, it's I've 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 been listening and and I'm like, man, I wonder I wonder which 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 category I'm I'm gonna get. So I'm super excited for for this one. Let's go. And I picked like one of the biggest disappointments of the year, which is not a good choice. But we're not even talking about that, so that's even better. That's right. As I mentioned, obviously Triangle of Sadness came out and I don't, I think neither of us could figure out what podcast to get you on, Mm -hmm. which is no longer a problem um, Mm -hmm. based off behind the scene things that we'll explain hopefully in a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I was just like, do you want to talk about satire films? Well, Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a pretty cool topic, man. And it's like, like, like I said, like to you, you know, before this, you know, it's not something that I usually like watch but so it was kind of a breath of fresh air to you know be able to watch some of these films and like to really like you know explore the satire world because it's it's different you know than, than what i do so it's cool yeah that being said why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do yeah so i'm i'm currently a senior at uh depaul university i'm studying film production concentrating in do- documentary filmmaking and uh uh, yeah, just super, super uh, deep into the documentary world right now. I, I like uh, directing, camera operating, and uh, uh, just making documentaries. That's that's kind of what I do. But you know, ultimately, filmmakers we we love all movies, and so watching you know satire films was a nice breath of fresh air from from the doc world. So um, I'm excited to talk about these films. Yeah, I, that's actually such a good response, and I think that like. One of the most interesting things about satire, as I learned from Googling satire films to come up with <laughs> things for my list, it, it's not really defined to a single genre. You can find satire in every single type of film. And the idea of what is satire, how do we comment on the world, changes depending on the genre of the film and the time in which the film is coming out, which keeps it pretty interesting. And I think we can talk about modern satire in a little bit and the need to be very loud and yeah. in your face with things, which is something that, as I just mentioned, Triangle of Sadness is almost too pertinent on disgusting viewers to make points to the point where <laughs> the points don't even have any semblance anymore. Right. But just bare bones, when you think of a satire movie, what do you think of? When I think of satire, I mean, I mean, the first word that comes to mind, I guess I'd say is like, like humor, but using humor in a way where you, I guess, provide a different perspective for like, a, you know, a social, 
uh, wrongdoing in society or, you know, something political or a cultural thing, you know, but using humor to kind of find a new perspective on that um, is kind of what, what I get from satire. But I mean, like you just said, I mean, satire, you can see it in different films, you know, you see it in literature everywhere. Right. So it's kind of like this really like weird concept, but the first thing that comes to mind for me is using humor in a way where you expose different, I guess, wrongdoings in society. Um, yeah, that's that's what comes to mind. But again, it's 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 hard. What do, what do you think? No, I think it's. I would probably say the exact same thing. I think it is difficult because, first off, humor is really hard to do. Like it's really hard to just be so funny hard. in a way that's not like all right, stop treating the viewer like an idiot. These are sentient human beings. And I think the idea of, I wouldn't say it being like milk where if it waits too long, it can become rotten. But I think one of the biggest problems with satire is you don't know if it's going to be relevant in the future. So it's kind of always a gamble. And how do you make a movie that will end up being timeless? It's something that I don't know that much about because I'm just watching right. these movies. But I think that the movies we picked, which cover like a pretty wide terrain of genres, yeah. Um, yeah. does a pretty good job. But I think it does rely on certain things. I Obviously, a script is like the key thing for me here is that it has to be something that's smart and is always like willing to take risks in a way that doesn't feel the need to tell you that they're taking risks. It just happens naturally, I think is important. Right. Right. But I think at the same time, it is a thing of direction and how do you create visuals that accompany these moments in the script and then create this complete package? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's, you know, exactly what I was thinking too, is that like, you know, the, the, the script, it's, you know, a lot of of, of the, the dialogue is key, but then it's like, what I notice in a lot of satire films is it's it's the small small visuals, the small hints here and there where, where you, you see it or you hear it and it clicks in your brain like, oh, that's related to this, right? And it's poking at this topic, you know what I mean? And it's, it's that like kind of juxtaposition of, you know, dialogue and visuals, you know what I mean? And I, I think another thing is, you know, turning points in a film, right? Is, you know, you know how, how, you know, a plot line can change, you know, to provide a, a a new perspective on on you know a part of society like 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 i said before you know what i mean it, it's kind of this like like this this mesh of these you know three concepts and it's 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 super interesting and when it works well it's it's absolutely brilliant you know what i mean so uh yeah yeah i completely agree i mean this is kind of a heavy-handed question but do you have any thoughts on like modern day satires are there any things that because so much of our list is from the past. And yeah. do you think that that's like kind of a signifier that maybe it's not working as well? And it's harder to make these movies in a world that isn't really constant for any period of time anymore? Yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's modern satire. I mean, again, I, I don't really know what modern satire is because it's it's such a weird concept. But you, I mean, what, what you said before, where it's a lot of like in your face. Like I completely see that. You know what I mean? And like it's you know, I, I just feel like, <clears throat> I don't want to sound like that guy, but you know, this new age of social media where it's like short attention spans, you know, get the attention quickly. It's like, I feel like it's just very rushed and very loud and very just like, you know, it just gets kind of annoying in, in some ways, you know what I mean? And they're trying, they almost don't make the audience think about what they're poking fun of and what they're trying to expose. It's almost like they're showing it in your face and it's sort of like loud like what you said um that's kind of what comes to mind with modern satire but again you know it's kind of a kind of a you know broad 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 topic but yeah yeah i would i would say the exact same thing and this is like the eighth time now in this episode i've mentioned it that is like my main problem with triangle of sadness so for anyone who's still wondering what my main problem is with triangle of sadness you can rewind to like any specific part of this episode, and I'm probably talking about it. And I think that it does create something interesting, though, where if a film does manage to really hit a recent film, um, to specify, then it kind of even has this more, this more larger, this bigger impact, where it feels like you were able to traverse this and 
see all these pitfalls and like expertly avoid them in a way that I think is like really interesting. And I don't want to speak for the future, but will have some long lasting effect, at least in my opinion. And actually I'm changing one of the movies on my list in real time. So I'll be dropping it, but it was just because I was thinking like, what is a modern movie that did manage to like really knock this out of the park? And it's like, yeah, I need to mention it. How did you um, go about picking your list? What was, what was the process, the method? Was it just yeah. off of energy or searching well, IMDb lists? Well, definitely, definitely a mix, right? I mean, yeah. I, I looked up what are some satire films just to kind of get, get an example because I, I did have an idea. Uh, but, you know, the more I did research and then, and then I, I, I kind of got, got, got the idea. And so I really was just looking at movies that, um, you know, I felt were, were, you know, calling to certain parts of society in subtle ways or in big ways, uh, uh, and kind of making fun of those things, um, through like the, you know, different elements that we're talking about, right? Like through small visuals or through, you know, certain dialogues or turning points. And so like, I feel like, you know, I didn't want to get too deep into it because I feel like there's a lot of movies that are, that are super popular and that we even saw as kids where it's like, you know, when we were kids, we didn't even realize there was satirical moments. And then now when I was doing this research, I was like, whoa, like that film had it, you know what I mean? Or, or so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I went about it. You know, I kind of stepped really far back outside the box and kind of tried to find stuff like that. How about you? What was, what was your process with the lists? No, it was pretty much the exact same way. I think there's a lot of common ground on all the lists I found online, best satire movies. And then there were movies that I was like, oh my God, I forgot about this movie. And I yeah. forgot that it's like a satire too. Exactly, exactly, yeah. I think it was, I don't know, I think it was helpful. Obviously, our opinions matter and we're like pretty objective. So whatever we say are the best satires. Um, obviously, that's a complete joke. Uh, these are... I would say very, very subjective because a lot of these, at least for me, were like my experience watching the movie and being like wowed and remembering that feeling now was like, uh, yeah, I have to include this even if objectively there are better satire movies um, in the eyes of the always correct critics. So without further ado, why don't we jump into our rankings? Um, Let's do it. All right. So your number five, what is it? My number five is Inglorious Bastards, which I was definitely not sure about this one, <clears throat> just because of you know Tarantino, and I'm I'm not a big fan of his direction. I would say let's get but, into this. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> yeah, but I also was thinking about like <clears throat> if we're basing on pure satire, I was thinking about this film, and I was like, I think. It, it's it's a good film in terms of the topic of satire. And I feel like, you know, when I was looking at films that, you know, showcase satire, it was a lot of like poking fun of like certain like political events, like wars. And that's a kind of a common theme that I found. And that's why I picked this film is because I feel like it was, it was kind of a really interesting, not in a good way or a bad way, just the interesting way of looking at, um, World War Two, and I feel like yeah, World War Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and um, it, it was just like uh, yeah, like satire just kind of like came to mind when I when I thought of that film. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know what are what are your thoughts on that choice? Because you know I feel like you could go one of two ways with that one. I am with you in that I'm not that big of a Tarantino fan. I yeah. actually find him, I think. I'm not going to discredit his skills because I think when his movies work, I really enjoy them. Yeah. But when it's anything less than amazing, I just like, I'm like, I don't need you to preach for three hours. It's not that. And I'm like, I'm probably going to get a lot of people mad about that. But personal opinions, I I actually do like Inglorious Bastards. It's one of my upper level Tarantino movies. Um, I haven't seen it in so long that I don't even feel like I can comment on it. It's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that film really utilizes dialogue, uh, you know, small things like the accents of, 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 of Brad Pitt and, you know, some of the German commanders, right? Like that speaks 
that completely exaggerates the two sides of the war, right? Like that's already one thing. Um, I feel like the dialogue was huge in that. And then obviously the exaggerated visuals, right? The super graphic. I mean, you know, it, that's a classic t- Tarantino, right? To be super graphic, but I feel like it's, it speaks to the, to the, you know, how gruesome the war actually was, you know what I mean? And, but it kind of provides this weird humor to it. And that's why I was like satire right there. You know what I mean? And it was like, just even like, like the, like, like the scraping of the scalp and stuff like that, you know, yeah. like that's like, when you see it, you're like, no way. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. But there's a lot of truth behind, like, like behind that i feel like you know i, I mean i wasn't in the war personally obviously you know what i mean that's uh, the pull but... quote for this episode i wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't in the war personally dude <laughs> just to but... just to settle people's confusions i know guys just so you know i wasn't in world war ii by the way just just in case you're wondering now but um yeah i i think you know that's kind of what that film embodied in terms of satire yeah no, I think it's a good choice. It's definitely one I was not expecting. And I feel like my number five might be similar. Have you seen Nope? The, I, the new Jordan Peele movie. I haven't seen Nope. I feel like I'm the only oh, one no. on Earth. But but I have seen, like, I don't know why, but there was, like, I've seen, like, six different trailers for it. So I feel like at this point I've seen most of the movie. But I, I haven't seen the, the entire film. Do you know about what happens in Nope? <sighs> I want to say yes. Involving a chimpanzee to avoid nope. spoilers. Okay. Nope. Yeah, you need to see Nope. Okay, I need to see I, I forgot. I think it was Court. Shout out to Cortland Kelly because I think we were talking about this shout on out. the podcast. And we were like, we need to talk about Nope. And it's really hard to talk about a recent movie three months after it came out. So this is my slight way of talking about Nope because I initially had this as an honorable mention. And then the more I think about it, the way that... Jordan Peele turns this into like 75 movies at once, including, (laughs) but not limited to, a satire about the way that we consume content and want to viralize everything in our lives and we'll put anything forward to make that happen. As well as like the way that film bros are really annoying, which I'm saying (laughs) this as probably a film bro, which, you know, not a fun thing to admit on air. I think it's just so right there funny with you. and so fresh. And to do that in an $80 million movie is really cool to me. And to get the money to do that and also yeah. just make a really badass movie about like cowboys and homages to Spielberg and all of these different things at once. And that giant spaceship too, right? Like, yeah, Gene Jacket, who's just doing their own thing and yeah. creating like the most horrifying sequence in any movie of this year. Um, I cannot wait for you to see this movie. I think you might like it. Oh my god! I, I, I don't know why I haven't seen it. I mean, all right, Kayvon, don't don't, don't laugh at me when you hear this, all right? Because I I know he's um, like, how is that kid not seen Nope yet? I yeah. I think that, and I've told people this when everything's said and done, it'll be a Jordan Peele movie. That one I watch, rewatch the most, and two mm-hmm. is like the secret best one because I think. I liked us. I didn't know people didn't like us until this year, which I, I don't know where I was when everyone was hating us because I, I really like us. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. And obviously I love Get Out, but I, there's something about Nope. And yeah. to even have satire, this like, I wouldn't say shoved in because that's the wrong word, but even this like laced into the plot and have it work this well. It's just a testament to how he creates movies and right. mixes visuals with dialogue and captures all of these different pastiches, but makes them much more interesting than any other film has made them it's, i just think amazing so that's my case for nope dude i you just convinced me to watch it then like i i i really i really want to watch that film really badly all right so your number four is actually my number two which yes. is a movie that i don't think i can speak that much about because i haven't seen it in four and a half years now okay but drop it so the reason I picked this is because I looked at your list and I was like, okay, I want to watch this movie because I've heard a lot about it. Um, and I saw it last night Let's and go. it was a great film. I actually wrote down a whole page of notes on it and how it embodies satire, which I'm not going to read all of it, but we can do a whole nother podcast about this you know, film. I thought it was a really cool film. And in terms of satire, I mean, it, I feel like a broken record, you know, but 
like this the small visuals right like even just like Wait, make sure to drop the name because i don't think either of us have said it yet oh the name is dr strange love by the way so that's the name of the film and there's like there's like an extra part of the title I actually it's like how it i learned to love the bomb how or... i learned to love the bomb exactly dr strange love that's what i'm talking about um <laughs> so pretty much like like there was i, I noticed like the use of gum it sounds really weird but everyone was always chewing gum or holding a piece of gum and and um giving out gum which is kind of weird and i was thinking about it and i feel like it was done to kind of like you know satirically show how everyone was paranoid during this time and the time in a film it kind of talks about you know like cold war era like relations with um us and and russia and i feel like you know the use of gum, I might be completely overthinking this, you know, but I feel like it was, a, you know, it showed the sense of paranoia and nervousness that everybody had during this time. And it was, you know, through this little Easter egg of, of gum, right? Like, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. Um, and I also, you know, another small thing, like, uh, let's see, what else? Uh, like, the, the, the beginning credits were, like, almost, like, looked like they were handwritten, um, and I thought that was, you know, already introduced a certain level of satire and, and humor to the film. You know, what I mean, just just small things like that that I, I noticed. But um, yeah, I, I, are are you going to talk about this film now or wait until our our number twos? I know. So we're covering. I'm not going to return to it because okay. I don't even think I have that much to add. Okay. I really need this is due for a rewatch. I just remember being really struck by it. Yeah, and like this is—I was really young when I saw this, and to be really? like, that engaged on my laptop of all things, <laughs> like the worst way to watch a movie. I'm convinced. Yeah, um, it's. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's worse than a phone because that's just like, oi. But yeah, it's very hard for me to watch movies on laptops. I don't know if you have this problem, but I, no, I don't know yeah. what it is. I just like really struggle to fully focus. But I, I did not exit the tab for this movie at all because I was yeah. so into it. I. For some reason, I'm always convinced that I'm not going to, like, just because it's taken me a long while to get through Kubrick's movies, and I'm always convinced yeah. that, like, I'm not going to get the hype. Yeah. And it's just always the opposite. And this is one of, I think, his less hype movies, just because he has The Shining and like, 2001 right. and all these right. movies that are just, like, a little more well-known and always shown on the big screen. And right. I just, I, it's so well-made. And it's, it's, it's how you write a script. It's like screenwriting 101. This is what should be taught in screenwriting 101. No, it actually should. And it was three locations. It was literally just three simple locations. I mean, it was brilliant. Brilliant. But yeah. um, what was what was your number four then? Yeah, so my number four was a movie I forgot about since watching. It is Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy. With um, okay. Have you seen this one? I, I have not. Okay, it is like very good. It's like half of the half of the movies that Todd Phillips stole to make Joker. Um, obviously okay. paired with Taxi Driver. Although I'm gonna be honest, I think we've talked about how I'm a Joker hater, but I'm intrigued by what they're doing for this next Joker. I'm interested. <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic. I would say. Good. Um, yeah. I don't know what Lady Gaga's gonna be doing there, but I'm curious to see. That being said, Dude. this is kind of similar to Nope, where it's. A satire about how we idolize people and idolize this idea of being famous and i think that the way they handle it is just so incredible and so interesting and obviously robert de niro that guy amazing actor and like completely kills this role and captures a certain new yorker personality Gosh. that like honestly yeah it exists they exist um so Speaking just like from watching a that. New York guy himself. Watching that in New York, I was like, oh my God. I can just walk outside and just basically see this happen. But I I don't know. It's just so interesting to me. And I think it's really interesting to watch and then think about Joker and like the things they just directly ripped off from this movie. But Dude, that's crazy. It's a Scorsese movie, it's always gonna bang. He doesn't miss. So would you okay if there's people out there in the world that haven't seen joker would you suggest that they watch this film before joker 
I would suggest that they don't watch Joker, personally. <laughs> okay, there this you was go. Like a, this was a hard battle to fight in 2019. Because it was like right. me against everyone. I remember this. I'm not yeah. forgetting all of you. Um, Uh-oh. But I, yeah, I think this is... I think it's, again, not one of the more like regarded Scorsese movies just because the movies that eclipse it are like Goodfellas. And um, of course, now I'm blanking on the name of like every other Scorsese movie. But yeah. They're all bangers, yeah. so you really can't go wrong with um, anything he makes. Yeah. That being said, what is your number three? Alrighty, number oh, no, three, which is my number three. Oh my god, cool yeah, lab. we're tied on here. So, um, number three is the Truman Show, which, oh my goodness, this film is crazy, man. I, 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 I personally love this film. I think it's another film that should be taught in film school, which I have not seen in a single class in my four years in film school. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I feel like we can go on and on about this film, but I think it's just, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Jim, Jim Carrey is just brilliant. I mean, he's just a he's yeah. great, great actor. And like, I feel like, um, I don't, I don't even know where to start. I'll, what 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 do you think about this one? I mean, weirdly enough, I remember telling you I watched this movie because I watched it right before a school dance. I think we I were out that. at dinner. I was like, I watched the Truman Show, and you and your sister Natalia Trejo Box, who we dearly miss on this podcast, and <laughs> hope she's doing well, both started like freaking out in a Chipotle. I Dude, I like, remember that. I get it. And then we all just had like a moment of Truman Show, like. Oh my god. Yeah. Just discussion. I the thing I remember vividly about this movie is it takes a little bit to get started, which I think yeah. works in its favor because I can just imagine watching this without really knowing what it's being what it was about and like being kind of like knocked down a little bit, like, all right, when are we getting started? And then like the craziest thing of all time happens to the point where like there's so many ways to turn this narrative into something stupid if you take yeah. one misstep and like it even has a little bit of stretches that are like really, really easy to mess up and then take the viewer out of the story. But like until that ending, I'm in it fully. And I think like the fact that every movie, not every movie, but like there have been so many movies that have tried to copy this formula, like yeah. either like a little bit or word for word and just can't get close, just shows how like this is a combination of everything being perfect, just like yeah. fully paying off. Yeah. I, 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 I cannot agree more. And it's just like, I mean, I don't know. I, I remember the first time I, I saw it and I, I completely agree with you. I was like, all right, let's go. Like, let's, let's start. What's, what's going on? Like we're repeating this guy's life. And then all of a sudden it's just like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself, but small things, right? Small things that start like, okay, this is weird. I'm picking up on this. I'm picking up on this. And then before you know it, we're in it. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like, it was just brilliant. It was just brilliant. Yeah. Have you seen Don't Worry, Darling? Uh, I have. No way. Oh, that I was have. a long shot. Dude. That but, was the movie I was thinking of. And I was like, tried to do Truman Show a little bit. And yeah. like, botched it so badly that like audible laughs in the theater. Yeah. Only for me. Because my theater was like, not a fun crowd for this movie. Did you like it? Well, this this is the one with Harry Styles, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I I I agree with you, man. I feel like it was just, uh, I mean, I, I I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like it was it was definitely trying to do something like that, but I also feel like it was kind of different too, in 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 a way. I don't know, but you know. Truman Show is just is just the best. I feel like that's that's one of my favorite movies of all time. You know what I mean? And I feel like, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's also just very approachable. I feel like it's just like really easy to watch, even though yeah. it's handling such heavy topics because it feels somewhat light and breezy, even when things are going down, that like it feels like a rewatchable movie, which is sometimes hard to do with movies like this because it's like, it, it doesn't feel as fresh the second time because you kind of know what the vibe is and like what they did to make this happen. Yeah. But I just like, I haven't actually revisited it, but it's one of those movies that like, I feel like I could just rewatch over and over again. 
Yeah. And, you know, I feel like it's one of those movies where each time you watch it, you just pick up on new things. Yeah. Different things that like, you know, before you're like, oh, shit. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean. No, you're just like, you're just like, you know, oh, I didn't realize that happened or, or, you know, that that makes more sense. You know, just small things, you know? Yeah. Okay. Now that we're in like the weirdest crossroads of rankings ever, why don't you (laughs) give your number two and then we'll give our um, number ones. But that... Your number two, I was not expecting. Like, I just didn't even think of this movie. When I was thinking of yeah. that. Well, so at the beginning of this podcast, I was saying, like, you know, I sometimes satire comes in childhood movies that, you know, you don't expect. And, like, when you rewatch it, you're like, man, that was a deep message for a kid's movie, right? So my second one is Wally. And I feel like when I saw it, like, a couple years ago again, after a while, I was like, you know, this a hundred percent embodies satire, right? Like, in, you know, that's that's the whole film, right? Like, they're they're, you know, kind of showing the direction that our world may go into one day. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, tackling like climate change and uh, nu- nutrition and you know all all these kind of heavy topics that are in this like little cute robot movie. You know what I mean? And it yeah. was just, I feel like that was, you know it's just such a great example for for satire in that way you know it's like it's using humor but humor for for a kid you know what i mean and it's like you know visually it's also beautiful film right and it's just uh i don't know what what do you think about about this film for for this list i think it's good i'm gonna be honest wally's not my favorite it's not my upper level um pixar tier uh-huh. which is like something I'm a little ashamed about because everyone is um, like everyone who's seen this movie loves it. Right. It's coming out in the Criterion collection, which I just recently learned soon. So if you want a Criterion collection, Wally, it's coming in a few months. Um, <laughs> I, it's a little scary that it's coming like very true. Like the idea of having right. to leave earth to like right. find a new frontier. I'm like, right. Oh no, this is what's like allegedly going to happen. Right. Um, which is really scary to think about, but I also think it's like, and I don't want to, I don't want to speak too much on where Pixar is right now because it seems like it's not the best place. That being said, Turning Red is like still probably in my top five of this year because that movie is oh. amazing. But like, it used to be the studio that I felt could do this, where it works for adults and kids in two completely different ways, and I think that like, I I'm like. I will go to bat for Turning Red until the ends of this earth. I think Turning yeah. Red is the best example of a movie that like that shows that Pixar can still do that. But like when things like Lightyear come out, yeah. it doesn't feel like they care as much as capturing that magic anymore. And I don't think it's Pixar's fault. I think that the animation is beautiful. It's like interesting and they're telling interesting stories. It just like worries me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is like getting a little off track. It just always has me thinking because like it really is these movies. Cause all of these Pixar movies just work completely different when you see them as a kid, and then when you like confront, they're like hidden—not even hidden, but like they're slowly uncovered meanings as you get older. I think it's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I feel like it's it's kind of like scary that some filmmakers think of such kind of heavy—not heavy, but like such like you know, kind of deeper topics and they slap it into a kid's movie. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, and, and, you know, even a film like, like Coco, for example, right? Like there's like this. Oh my God, Coco, I mean, knocked out. Wow. Like, it's just like, there's just crazy, like, like, you know, meaning to it and stuff. And like, you know, if I saw as a kid, like it, it would, I mean, I wouldn't be thinking about that. I would just be like, Oh, cool colors, you know, but then like all this like deep stuff about death and like, I don't know, all this stuff is, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy, but it's cool, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I need to rewatch Coco. Yeah. It's a good pick though. Yeah. Like you, you make a very good case for Wally. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So my number one, have you seen network? I have not, but when I saw your list and I was like, I actually really, I I saw the trailer for it and it looked really, really interesting. So I'm definitely going to watch it. I, I uncovered a trend in my list. Like all of my satires are satires about like the entertainment industry. I think at least three of the five are. 
<laughs> if not four of the five. But it's only because they make really good satires about the entertainment industry. Obviously, Network is uh, Sidney Lumet's, I believe, 1975 film. Um, what a director. My God. Love Angry Men, um, Dog Day Afternoon, this movie, others that I'm not listing right now. Just like, God, he killed it. But it's just this incredible movie that is so like piercing and it's yeah. screenwriting and like that's the first thing that you notice just because of like the way that everything is so fast paced and like is always keeping you on the edge of your seat and right. the idea it's obviously centered around the entertainment industry but it's centered around broadcasting in particular which is already I think an interesting component to capture because it is like an industry that is already so fast paced yeah so to match that energy with the style and the tone and the script of a movie and like hone in on that while also critiquing and speaking on this idea of like i just i think of the one quote that is so famous i think it's like i'm mad as hell and i'm gonna do something about it that just like always stays in my head or like i'm not gonna take this anymore it's something like that and like the fact that i still think about that quote all the time just like shows the power of this movie Um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's something about like a fast-paced movie on a day where you're not expecting it that just like hits you even harder because you're like oh my god i'm in it now like I need like, to see what happens. You like sit up more in bed and you're like, all right, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. I I'm like, it's like a Saturday at 1 p.m. I wasn't expecting this, yet here we are. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> turn up for two hours. Yeah. And like from watching the trailer, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's similarities, you know, with Network and um, <clears throat> Dr. Strange Love in terms of like, it's it seems like pretty simple in terms of like, like where it takes place maybe and it's just like it's the pacing that's just like it gets you you know what i mean and it's just like the dialogue and the pacing is just constantly like keeping you up maybe is that is that correct or no i guess i have to watch it. yeah well i think that's like one of the things i find so fascinating about lumet's film in general because like obviously 12 angry men takes place in like one room and uh right. I, have you seen dog day afternoon no oh such a good movie but like that's about a hostage situation. So it doesn't really take place in that many different places. So like kind of having to create this script that one is coherent and two is able to keep you in it because it creates the film's pacing. It's something that it's obviously not just the script, it's how the actors portray it and everything, but like when everything comes together, you get a network, you get a dog in the afternoon, you get um, 12 angry men. And like, those are the movies that, you never forget. So yeah. I think you'll like it a lot. It's really yeah. good. I need to rewatch it. This is like my list of rewatches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's no. every single movie on this yeah. list. Which it's crazy because I feel like you watch so many movies. I'm like, you know, how? It's time to circle back. Time to, yeah, exactly. No more new ones. Time to go back to the old ones. Exactly. I know. It's like we're, we're going back to where we started. Yeah, yep. that'd be a fun project. Just like it watching would. everything in reverse, tenanting my movie collection. <laughs> oh god, you'd say. <laughs> All right, what's your number one? Number one, kind of talked about it when we were talking about Nope, but gotta be Get Out, man. Get Out was just crazy. I mean, even reading the script, see, like I've I've seen that film probably six times, and I just the little things, right? Like, like just just quickly shout some stuff out. Um, you know, like the small, like small picture frames in like the house, right? Like they play a lot with, um, with, um, set design in this film. And it's just like pictures on the wall, you know, the posture of characters, clothing. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's really poking at like, you know, racism in this country has not gone away, you know, from like, you know, how it was in the peak of, you know, civil rights era. It's just changed right now. It's like, now there's, media involved and you're able to see things more you know what i mean and it's just it's it's completely changed and and the way you know they use even sound effects like like you know the the um camera flash sound of the iphone and and just small stuff like that that just like uh, it's just it's just absolutely brilliant and I, I you know jordan peele like what a guy man what a guy that's that's all i have to say on on no on he knows out. how to make a movie he I, does. I, this is a good pick. I um, I remember when Get Out came out, and I was just like, I didn't even know what to expect from it from the first trailer. And then mm-hmm. like the moment you see it, it was kind of like a you had to be there moment, where like mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh my god, 
Mm -hmm. um, just because of like the way that everything happens in that movie. And to be able to revisit it and still kind of feel that like, oh my goodness, eyes wide open sensation is something that's yeah. like, as we're saying, a testament to how you create one of these movies that is able to last and it's not just like a one and done kind of deal. Yeah. And I feel like it's again like what what we said before. It's one of those movies where every time you watch, it's just something new you learn about it, something new you see, and it's like it it you know speaks to what you're saying about uh, how a film is able to sustain itself over time, right? I mean, you know, I feel like viewers learn you know a lot from each time they see it, and they they're able to you know connect it to life and you know modern day society, you know, and and it's just it's, you know. What a what a great film. I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. It was a good choice. Good way to close the rankings out. Before we part ways, do you have any honorable mentions that you would like to mention? <laughs> yeah. Honorable mention. I I don't know. I, I threw this one in. I don't know if you've seen One Punch Man. Shout out Ben Ben Raskowski, you know, if you <laughs> if you listen to this, because you know, it's not a film, it's a show, which is why I put in honorable mention, because you know, these are films, but it's a anime show about about this this character who's you know you know just to kind of sum it up he he kills his villains with one punch and you know it's it's plays on like you know it 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 pokes fun of of anime villains you know what i mean and how like some uh you know heroes and villains can be absolutely ridiculous and there here's this one nerdy weird looking guy who just kills them with one punch it's just it's kind of a crazy show i just kind of threw it in there you should definitely watch it i mean it's it's, it's fun it's 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 relaxing but you know i actually talked a lot about this with with ben too you know and we we talked about like how it's like you know it, it's just it's such a weird simple story but it pokes fun to such a like such a niche i guess audience and uh such a specific type of filmmaking and story i guess but yeah kind of kind of a weird one i i didn't i didn't know whether to put in honorable mentions or or you know put on on the fifth place tier of my list but yeah how about you what are what are some of your yes yeah, so i have a couple so the one i was going to include at number five but i switched out for nope is um wild tales which i don't know if, have you seen wild tales mm -mm. i i don't remember if it won academy award it's an argentinian film from i think 2014 oh, yeah. it's like six tales of revenge that are like so sharp and biting and fascinating. Um, also, Wait. a weird movie to watch when you're 13, but yeah. Wait, did you show one of these? I think I did. I think club? I did. I, I have seen a couple of these then. It involves a plane. Me? Is that the yes, one? Yes, the plane. That one is insane. Everybody go watch that right now. Everybody uh, go watch that right now. I completely agree with you. Hell of an opening to a movie when you're in the theater not knowing what the movie's about. <laughs> That's the first thing that you see. And it's like, oops. Um, so some yeah. other things is Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You, which is a movie that I really, really love. And I wish had more recognition because it seems like – well, also, I don't know where he is, but he needs to come back and make another movie. Um, yeah. The Bling Ring, Sofia Coppola's movie that I will defend until the day I die because it <laughs> doesn't seem like a lot of people like this movie, which hurts. Um, Alexander Payne's Election, which is a great movie about student council, among many other things. And then also Scream, which we've been mentioned on this podcast um, a couple of months back, if you go check. But I really like what they do with the Scream movies. I think even the new one. I've grown on a little bit since mentioning it five months ago just a good time like a very entertaining time and it's fun to watch a satire about other movies in the genre that the movie you're watching is currently a part of so yeah. i think that always keeps every scream interesting even though i think there's like diminishing returns from each one but <laughs> those are my um my honorable mentions you should uh dress up as the scream guy for halloween ghostface wait have you seen the scream movies no i haven't man you need to watch them they're good dude i know i i haven't seen any of these films that that, that, that you mentioned man i gotta get on that well the funny thing about ghostface is he's so clumsy because like before he like does his little killing thing like he gets beat up or he slash she because like the whole thing it's like a whodunit which always makes it fun too yeah yeah um, <laughs> But yeah, I do not like that mask. Well, I guess like who would like a scary mask? It's just, it's just a weird looking thing, yeah. 
Yeah. I'm like, they should, the serial, um, the horror movie villain should wear more approachable masks. That's the problem. And then maybe people will, yeah, be less scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which I think would make it actually low-key scarier. No, I'm thinking about it. Have you seen Smile? Which, is, again, I'm just mentioning movies that I haven't mentioned. It's actually podcast. funny because Nat, Nat saw it last night and she was like, dude, I'm watching Smile. And I'm like, like she was like freaked out. And I was yeah. like, oh my God. I, I saw the trailer and I was just like, no, I'm not doing this. Can't do it. It's impressive that they took the that premise and made the movie that they made because it is pretty yeah. good. Like it's, yeah. I, I would say it's not like revolutionary horror, but okay. with... I mean, they had nothing to lose because, like, that first trailer, no one took seriously. And now they it's almost made, like, $100 million in two weeks, which is, like, super impressive. Um, but I don't know why. I, I wanted to mention on this podcast, um, for those who have made it this far, I wouldn't say it's satirical, but a fun time at the cinema. Also, not a fun movie to be watching with 400 teenagers. Um, speaking from experience, yeah. It was... I, there was one point in the movie where I look over and a kid is rolling down the stairs of the movie theater. What I was like, the? we're in pandemics, multiple. <laughs> well, this is not, I don't even, actually, if we're not in a pandemic, why would anyone do that? It's just yeah. odd. It's just, and no dude. one can see you. It's dark in this movie theater. But that being said, the movie is good. Yeah. I got to watch it. Yeah. Any closing thoughts on satire and such? Sat- yeah. Satire is a crazy, crazy uh, category. It's it's cool. I'm definitely gonna look more into it. Uh, and it was super fun, just like look, you know, trying to analyze these movies and watch a couple of new ones. So it was fun. It was it was cool. Let's go. Well, you'll be back soon to talk about documentaries, your field. So thank you, Julian. Thank you, everyone. Do you know your social media tags to drop them? Um. Instagram is jtre.2, and that's the only one I know. Um, so follow me on Instagram, I guess. All right, cool. And then, as always, you can find me at Kavajalinas on Twitter and Instagram, kavajalinas.com for reviews and features. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And we will see you in two weeks to talk about Ticket to Paradise and the return of Mamma Mia to Kaveh J Screening Room. Peace out. <laughs>